is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his deputy staff sergeant, Jack Luna. Oh, hi, Luna. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's pretty, going pretty good. I've been having some guest hosts here and there, and you know, yeah. How's, how do you feel about that? Is it? Is it? I'm in, I'm enjoying it. Um, if and uh, oof, I don't even want to talk about him because I feel like his his ego might go through the rooftops. But Kent is a funny guy. He's funny. Oh Very my funny. gosh, yeah. it's it's kind of uh, so it's been fun. Funny looking. Yeah. <laughs> It's been fun to have him on because his just his his take on especially since a lot of these calls and stuff seem to happen in uh, you know people of his ilk. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's yeah. always got some like unique opinion. Well, when I was strapped to a bed in the back of a <laughs> RV and Adirondacks, <laughs> yeah. you know. No, he's perfect. He's a perfect sub in. Uh, I miss I miss doing it with you all the time, but I, I I look forward to it much more than I was, and uh, been looking forward to this one too. What I, I talked to Kent about him being on the show, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, I, I don't get into like those long, you know, uh, deep conversations like you do." I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like that <laughs> will wear on you after a period of yeah. time, and you can only have those so often." So um, I find that. This is probably going to be really good for the show. I hope that the audience feels the same way of having that 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 mix that mix up. If you and I continued for a month, forever, just talking deeply about every issue that we come across and can relate to in, in the stories, you just have a couple of uh, really dry scarecrows, yeah, mouthing at each other in a couple of years. It would be very hard, especially if you and I were just constantly pontificating to to maintain course over the generations of doing the show. And, (laughs) you know, we forgot what is our stance on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You said this and then you said that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's no room for evolution there either. So the audience will remind you what you said too. So yeah, that's a scary thing. I think we got a review recently that said something on those lines. It was like you, it was one star. You guys talk way too much. <laughs> yeah, we do. So, see ya. <laughs> now, I was, uh, to your point about Kent not getting into those deep conversations, uh, before we started the last 911 or 911 Plus, I can't remember, I just, I forgot I was talking to Kent and not you. And <laughs> I just, I was like, you know, the other morning I woke up and I was just like, I'm not having a good day. And, I was feeling really kind of depressed and like it was really hard for me to pull out of it and I'm not quite sure I'm still I'm still kind of in it and mm-hmm. and I look up and Kent's like all right all right let's see all right you ready to uh okay all right I'm, okay I'm ready to go <laughs> yeah I forgot I forgot who I was talking to that's but I I appreciate that com- that the rapport that I have with Kent yeah and I'm glad that he's not as um 
willing to have flowery conversations as you and I are because that that would get boring if we all were caring about know. each other as much as we care about each other. Yeah. If we all weren't sociopaths. Yeah. Bloviating ballerinas, you know. <laughs> no, it takes a couple hard ass men to keep soft ass men in line. Oh. <laughs> Listen to me swearing. <laughs> wow. Oof. Sorry. You've been hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yeah, well, that's because I've been hanging out with Kent, so we'll just blame that on him. Well, come home for a minute. <laughs> come home to the uh, swear-free yeah. environment of Jack Luna. Jack Luna. <laughs> <laughs> that's People fun. People respect one another here. All right. <laughs> um, oh, hey, hey, Luna. Hey, hey. Hey, what's the most egregious error in judgment that you have ever been caught in? doing at your place of employment and did you get fired for it yes and yes or i have and i I have a story and yes i did get fired for it um i worked at a car rental company and i love car rental companies (laughs) i know you do (laughs) you just got dinged for like four grand on our trip right yeah i did did you have to pay it that really hurt yes i did (laughs) all of the conversation i talked to a lawyer i talked to the rental company, and I told them, I, I hypothetically told them I might have had a father die of cancer, and mm-hmm. they were like, eh, well, we're really sorry, but uh, you're still going to have to pay that. And I'm like, dang it. <laughs> yeah. Lessons learned. And then your father still dies of cancer because of the the repercussions of lying about <laughs> such things, karma yeah. and all that. Yeah. All that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I work, I work for this place, and so you take calls in a res- reservation center, uh, it was discount, discount car and truck rentals. This is huh, speaking. For which city would you like to make a reservation? So you're expected to make these sales because they're calling you wanting to buy. It's not mm, a cold yeah. call by any means. So I was in sales for a while, and this was supposed to be an easy one. And um, I just stopped caring after a while because there was no commission, yeah. and I knew I had discounts I could give people. So and I could down, I could upgrade them. And give them the price of a lower vehicle for an upgraded vehicle. So I was upgrading everybody. So I was giving them <laughs> a price of a compact car on like an SUV. Oh, and wow. then the sale was made. And then, then I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'll give you 10% off too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and after a period of time, they were listening to our calls. And over a couple of months when I really wasn't caring, I was everyone was asking for me. Uh, that was calling in when they would do, they would like, you know, over like a year, like they would like, Hey, I need this guy to talk to. Cause he gives me the best deal. They're like, why oh is he goodness. getting so many sales and why is he not making any money on those sales? <laughs> and why are all of our SUVs off the lot at a compact car price with 10% off? So they had to talk with me about that. And, uh, his name was Inchan. And he said, Inchan. I don't want to say his last name. Because uh, there's a lot of Inchans yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, you know. You know, just in case. Just in case. And uh, he said, listen, I'll give you the choice. You can either quit or we're going to fire you. <laughs> and I said, well, how do I get EI, right? What's what's the best What's the best deal here? What should I do? He's like, well, we can release you. And, you know, I was like, okay, well, release me. Yeah. And that was that, man. How about you? Funny, both of them happened at Hewlett Packard. I worked there twice. Um, the first time I worked there, I um, was like a temp, and it was early in my youth. I was mid twenties, I think, early twenties, mid twenties, mm-hmm. and um, I was on a call center, and I was just taking kind of random break fix 
questions about your laser jet printer and um i real <laughs> so the phones they give you in a call center as you probably know that they, they they have diff- this big screen and the screen can tell you a lot of information like how many calls are waiting to be answered oh, yeah. and then there's buttons and you kind of arm your phone to receive calls or if you're going on a break you you know disarm the phone blah 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 Yep. And I noticed all the time that there was always a massive number of calls. <laughs> and that's no problem when it's midday and you got like 30 people working the call center. But I would start at like 5 a.m. And when I'd get in there at 5 a.m., if I was on a call that was really long, um, and I'm like, oh, man. And I'm like one of three people working, and the calls get to like six, seven, eight people holding on hold. Yep. I would do what's called clearing the queue. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I would just hit this button and it would hang up on everybody that was on hold. <laughs> and and I thought, I don't know, in a way, I felt like I was sort of putting them out of their misery because some of these people are like, I've been on hold for 48 minutes. And I'm like, well, let me help you. I'm going to hang up on you, you know, three minutes into your wait time so you don't wait that long. That was my logic. But <laughs> come to find out, during my employment interview, they were like, you have the highest number of calls <laughs> taken. I'm like, that's cool. I, I figured I might be up there. I'm a hard like, worker. Yeah. But your average call length is six seconds. Mm. <laughs> so what it was doing is taking all the really long calls, the really good, the good calls that I was doing, and then it was factoring all those against one second hangups that I was doing. Yep. And everything was coming crashing down to six-second phone calls, which I'm fast in in figuring out people's problems, but not that fast. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got fired for that. Funny thing was, I went I went away and became a man of God. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I became a tech at another place and was working there. And then they called me one day and they're like, "Hey, we're opening another division. Would you like to give it another shot?" And I came back as an engineer. And I've talked about that that situation before where I got fired for illegal software on my computer that was literally being used by the whole call center to support the software that was out there in our customers' hands because HP's cheap and they don't buy licenses for stuff. But So I got fired for that, but what they don't know, and I'm revealing now because the statute of limitations is probably up is the whole time I worked at Hewlett Packard doing that and doing my job as an engineer, I had on my computer something called a SOX proxy, which today, you know, more, more commonly as a VPN or a virtual private network. Mm -hmm. Basically what it does is when you turn it on, you can tell it where you want it to look like you are, you are living or where that computer's living. So I might be in Washington, but the world thinks I'm in the Philippines. So the whole time I'm working there, I have a computer to the side of me. So I've got my main computer and then I have this other computer to the side of me and it's set up on a SOX proxy out of like Thailand. (laughs) So I was doing all of this like side business the whole time I was at Hewlett Packard basically running a whole business out of Thailand over here, you know, <laughs> which, you know, it, it is what it is. I got fired for the, the, the illegal software stuff, which I, I regret, and that's bad, but wow. uh, they don't even know. <laughs> no. <laughs> they don't even know the worst of it, so <laughs> that was fun. 
I've been fired a lot. I've not fired, just kind of, I've had a lot of jobs working temp agencies and things like that. Uh, I'll give you one more. The um, school that I worked at when I was in the city, I might have told the story before, but like I would, I would be like in there for a staff that was sick or whatever. So they would call me in for the day. So they didn't know me. So I'd be in a high school, like a large school. And I realized that they didn't care that I was there at all. Like that was just a body. So in particular situations, I I would be I would look at the door if I didn't feel comfortable in the classroom I was in. I'd be like, oh, yeah, 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 hold on a sec. And I'd say to the teacher, hold on, they need me. And then I'd go because I was kind of floating for the day. Yeah. And then I'd just walk out the door, get in my car, and drive home and get paid for the whole day. (laughs) So when I went to this one place that was like a smaller school, and I pulled that move at, you know, the first period of after lunchtime, this one particular time, I left, did that move, come in the next day, and they're like, hey, where were you yesterday? I was like, uh, I thought I was done. thought I was done. I don't know. I must have read my schedule wrong. They're like, oh, okay. Well, the kid you were supposed to be working with was sitting outside on a swing for an hour. No. (laughs) Oh, crap. I didn't know that I had a (laughs) one-on-one after lunch. So the kid normally goes out to the swing and the worker goes with them. And the worker, me, was not there. And the kid just, this kid who needs help. Was just, just sitting, sitting there in a swing. And they look at the window and he's sitting there just kicking his feet in the dirt. <laughs> so I got fired from that particular gig as well. Oh, that's fun. Going that to hell. Is fun. Going to hell too. Anyway. Uh, okay. Now this this is a bit of a f- unfair follow-up question, but <laughs> is there an egregious error in judgment that you're willing to share that you didn't get caught doing, but that you've gotten that would have gotten you fired if you had been caught. Um, well, the answer is yes, but the answer to the second like part, am I willing to share it? The answer is no. I okay. don't want. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Deal. Okay, that's fine. All right. Um, I I have two. I have two. One of them was coupled with uh, a place similar to HP, where they had warehouses of stuff, and you've anyone that's work, worked food service or any place like that, they know that this kind of stuff happens. You get to the end of the day, you have extra stuff that's been cooked or prepared or baked or whatever. I got one now, but I'll tell you after you? you're done. Yes. Okay. I, my other one had to involve kids being, you know, oh, cr- horribly crap. treated and stuff, so I couldn't <laughs> talk about that. I okay. <laughs> Just joking. Go ahead. But instead of those vegetables, you figured out one about actual vegetables that you can talk about? Okay, cool. Um, uh, Yeah, so if you've worked anywhere, like food service, uh, the end of the day comes, you've produced more than you can sell. So there's stuff that ends up in the dumpster, you know, oftentimes. And OSHA requires you to throw it in a dumpster. You can't just take it home or hand it to a homeless guy. Wink, wink. Um, However, a lot of people don't know that our products are physical products that we have you know electronics and many things like that those have freshness dates too uh, you just don't hear about it because you know they're a little quieter and more discreet about discarding stuff that they can't actually sell if something is made and sits in a warehouse too long and doesn't end up in a storefront by x date it's warranty is expired before the product might even leave the shelf by being purchased so 
all this stuff is factored in in Excel spreadsheets and in, in businesses. And anyway, I worked at a place where, in particular, this one was uh, was manufacturing at the time these storage tapes for data, and they were huge. And each tape was like a hundred thirty, hundred forty dollars for each one of these tapes. But I knew that there was a repository of tapes that were never going to make it, so I kept track of the ones that were going to be expired and that would be discarded. And I was just helping the company by offloading those from the company before they could be destroyed or discarded. And I was selling them to a guy in Florida. Oh, my God. (laughs) This is why we're where we are now. Neither one of us are employable at all. That's right. Uh, Before you continue the story, you said vegetables a couple times there. You're probably a little bit worried. I am very worried. But can I tell you a joke about vegetables? Yeah. That we used to talk about in the group homes where <laughs> did horrible things to children. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Um, uh, hey, I don't eat vegetables. And the reason why is because the wheelchairs keep getting stuck in my teeth. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> but we can both say that because at one point, you and I were both physically incapacitated. For sure. Yeah. I oh, was— yeah. I only mock those things that I am or have been in the past. Yeah, or that so. I've worked with in the past in my situation. No, no. I mean, when you it's, <laughs> it's gallows humor. When you work in that situation for long enough, you should get out when you start making the vegetable wheelchair stuck in your teeth jokes. And I did. Yeah. I got out. Or you know that you're going to get tenure, one of the two. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those two. To stay yeah. and survive, sometimes you got to be able to keep that gallows humor about it. Hey, man. You got to laugh to keep from crying. Okay, That's go ahead. right. Okay, I got one more for you. One time I worked as a creative director for a company. And I will just tell you, I hated the owner. I thought he was the biggest tool bag. Um, He was extremely wealthy, spent most of his time on the golf course and everything, which you know what, now as as a business owner and, you know, somebody who's striving to, you know, stabilize and put a little bit of money away, I I've I regret the way I, I felt and acted toward him back then because it was his business. He made the risk putting it together and everything, and he mm-hmm. the reward was he got to play golf all the time. And I just didn't see it that way at the time. I was kind of grumpy because I was basically shouldering a lot of the business while he was away. Not yeah. to mention his wife would show up with their stupid son who had just got into college, and they would make me do some of his assignments. Like I would put together graphics for his PowerPoint and I would make the PowerPoints and stuff. And I was like, what is happening here? And he was a vegetable. (laughs) He was, he couldn't speak. So I felt kind of bad for the kid, but no, no, he was very, very able bro level able, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So anyway, I thought I would get my pound of flesh from that company as well. Man. Yeah. Whew. Uh, it's so I. Good thing we're not recording t- this in front of a live audience. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I would. Um, there was often times where we'd do big projects and we'd have to hire skilled labor. You know, skilled technicians, technolo- tech- technology people, programmers, the like, to get those projects done because we didn't have the skill sets in house. So, <laughs> what I did was I would call somebody who I knew. Uh, could be the contractor for these things. And that Mm -hmm. person was me. (laughs) So I was basically contracting myself to the company 
And then I would hire guys from India to do the the work. And, you know, I'm marking up their labor. Oh, man. And I'm sitting there in this little tiny castle thinking, you know, I'm running the show and everything because this guy's always golfing and whatnot. And, and here I am. I'm doing all the work. Dang it. So I should be able to... I really regret now saying all that, how villainous uh, I seem to be in my earlier entrepreneur days. I've... No good excuse for being so sneaky. Listen, this might make you feel better. When I used to sell c- crack cocaine on the streets, <laughs> once in a while I'd see a real target, and you keep you keep a couple of balls of soap in saran wrap. It's all it's all strung out in saran wrap. Your crack rocks, right? But I would have a string of soap, so you'd see a mark, and you'd sell them soap. And I feel bad about that, man. I didn't get fired yeah. from that job, but. Yeah. Yeah, see, apples to apples. We're both, you know, we both have grown a lot yeah. since since our dastardly days. Oh, man. I, personally, I'd like to chalk it up to the fact that I was often employed to do a specific job. Um, and come to find out, my brain doesn't do specific, continuous, and repetitive work that requires little to no creativity very well at all. Right. It doesn't do that. No. I, I often found myself being hired to do a finite number of things on my job description. Before you know it, I was doing 10 things that were not only not on my job description, but they couldn't be found on anyone's job description <laughs> in the company. Yeah, I like to think of it as see a need, fill a need. But in all honesty, it, it could probably more accurately be described as see an opportunity, uh, fill an opportunity. <laughs> right. And we're in the script now, I think. You're scripting now. Oh, good. yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm rocking and rolling here. How about that for? A, oh God, I was going to tell some more dr- drug dealing stories there. <laughs> Smooth segue. Hey, there's always room for drug dealing stories. <laughs> no, so that's all I got. <laughs> yeah, go, um, go ahead. I will say though that hacking thing set me straight. Though I'm convinced that had it not happened in my life, the next turn would have probably put my morals into complete question and I'd be looking at a fork in the road where both paths led to some kind of villainous white-collar crimes or whatnot. And so look at me now. Mm-hmm. I'm a podcaster and I've well, yeah. mend, mend my, wend, wended my ways or mended my ways. I'm not sure. One of the two. Hey, here's a fun fact to know and share, though. What? Uh, the word villainous mm-hmm. comes from an old French word meaning French. far. Yeah, freaking oh, French. Gosh. I, we got a comment from somebody the other day trying to defend <laughs> French people. I, I was instantly mad. I don't know why. I was reading it going, why am I so mad? Why am I mad at this person? They're just All they're doing is defending their language, and I'm angry. They're very nice. <laughs> Everybody in the comment section was very nice, too. I put up a picture of uh, uh, James Franco holding a phone, and nobody got it, it seemed. It was like a Franco phone. <laughs> Franco <right>? phone. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's fun. Uh, Anyway, so villainous, right? Uh, It's a word. It comes from an old French word meaning farmhand or commoner. Uh, Somebody that would have lived in a villa instead of a castle because apparently crimes committed by nobility were not as reprehensible as those committed by commoners. I don't don't know about you, but I've seen some 12th century villas on Airbnb. And if (laughs) living in one of those makes you a villain, sign me the heck right up. Yeah. Yeah, so this is like nobility, like kings and noblemen calling each other villains, you know, as like an offense, like, oh, you're a commoner. You're just Mm. a common thief. Oof, that's fun. That's a lot of fun, man. (laughs) We're having fun. (laughs) I miss miss that. I miss that right there. I don't get that with the uh, guest host, the... uh, 
this is a lot of fun. And and the look in your eye is like, I'm going to poke my eyes out. <laughs> I love that. That was the whole motivator behind this whole podcast. So thank you for showing up. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Uh, well, I feel like so far, nothing we've discussed is good for either of our reputations as clean, shiny people with a positive purpose in life. Eh? Mm. Uh, um, well, fear not. Because the call we're about to listen to will make us both look like saints. Man, we we are at a we are at a step. You and I have not hung out. Uh, is this what you've been doing with the co-host? This this scripted stuff with yeah with, with the new host and they're buying it. I guess I haven't. I I yeah. I've had to. Well, because I for a long time, like you and I. We can just roll, and I don't have to script as much. But. Yes, you're, you're leading on the script. Yeah. Well, okay. To defend my position on this, I guess, is nowadays I write these episodes not necessarily knowing who's going to be the guest oh, yeah. host. So I kind of have to protect myself. Sure. I still haven't had it happen, but I'm, I might accidentally have a guest host who might, who turns out to be a mute or has no opinion on anything. <laughs> and so I got to be able to. That'd be a know, bad call. <laughs> it would be. And they'd never be back. They'd never come back. <laughs> this month, this week, we have a deaf blind mute. <laughs> what? <do> you- <laughs> <laughs> we have Helen Keller on the show. Helen, how's it going? <laughs> Helen? Oh, man. Okay. Good thing only half a million people listen to the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kidding. All right, so uh, here we go. Tennessee is known for many things. It's the birthplace of the tow truck. <laughs> it, has the, it has the most visited home in the country, if you exclude the White House. Graceland, the home of former fat person Elvis Presley, called mm. Graceland his home. It also has towns with speed limits like... <laughs> Like 19 miles per hour <laughs> and 31 miles per hour. They literally have signs in these towns that are like, the speed limit's 19 miles per hour, buddy, not 20. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know what they're thinking, but they do that. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. Remember when I, uh, w- I was going to Baraboo to meet up with you and uh, Ken, and I was like, man, it, it's so slow in the States. Like, I, like I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I was going so slow. And I was going kilometers. Kilo- per hour instead of miles. miles. So it would say 30 miles per hour. I was, well, what was I going? Like, I think I was going like 12 kilometers an hour or something like that. Yeah, all you would have. 18 maybe. You would have been creeping right along. Oh, so. man. There's people all behind me. I was like, oh, I don't want to get arrested. I'm trying to bring marijuana into the United States. <laughs> Come on. Give me a pass. That's why I'm going slow, trying to follow the laws. Uh, all right. Around here, that's an indicator that you're working with either somebody who's here illegally, mm-hmm. uh, is doing something illegal, or is drunk off their gourd. Mm-hmm. The people that are going exactly the speed limit are the ones yeah. you got to watch out for. They're either that or librarians, and then again, you got to watch out for them. So. Yeah, man. Back when I used to do illegal things in cars, I remember older guys I would hang out with telling me, you just got to blend in, act natural. Go, yeah. go a little bit over the speed limit. You know, like uh, don't go on the back roads. If you're drinking and you're driving, I'm talking about back in the '90s. Okay, this is mm, before yeah. drunk drunk driving was uh, a real problem. <laughs> like, right. if you go on the back roads to do your nefarious deeds, you know, smoking, cracking cars, uh, uh, drinking and driving, and throwing them at the windows, they're going to catch you on those back roads because you're the only one out there. They're going to ask you what you're doing out there. 
Yeah. Just do it in traffic. Yeah. Do it do it in front of everybody. Yeah. yeah. Hide in plain sight. Speaking of hiding in plain sight, there is a town in Tennessee that's called Nashville. Mm. It's in this town of Nashville. How'd you like that segue? It had yeah. nothing to do with anything, but here we are back on the script. Right. <laughs> uh, it's in this town of Nashville, named after Francis Nash, a colonist from the 1700s, who cares, mm. where our story takes place. It's 2008, and Sheila Jones just placed a 911 call for help after an angry ex-boyfriend barged into her house and held a knife to her throat. The local news, Channel 5, did a lot of investigating into this uh, situation and what happened here. So you might hear bits of them in the calls piecing things together because they really are the ones that, that dropped this story. Okay. But let's let's listen as uh, as the first call that she places to nine one one plays out, shall we? I'd love to. Here comes the train. You ready for me to hit play then? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. All right. Here we go. Oof. So I don't know if you could catch much of that because she was a bit animated, but um, 911 call uh, dispatcher didn't have a whole lot of room to talk because she was quite panicked, and, and rightly so. Her ex-boyfriend barged into her house, held a knife to her throat, and then at the end of that call you hear her state that uh, he threatened her saying that she won't see him coming when Jeez. he comes for her again. <clears throat> Man, you know, the most dangerous, dangerous game. Men yeah. are so, we talked a lot about this on the, uh, on the uncut on Patreon, 1159media slash patreon.com. Is that the way yeah. that works? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Men, no, patreon.com oh. forward slash 1159media. That's it. That's it. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> I see you visited it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, she's 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 terrified feeling like she's gonna die at any second it's um it's a crazy world man there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, terrifying people out there especially men I, I i like i said on the uncut i hate the fact that so many people have died at the hands of someone who they hated who they you know were trying to get away from and they came and just took their life away because they were trying to get away from them. It's so unfair. Obviously, it's unfair, but it's it's extremely unfair, man. And she's in in one of these moments. It's frustrating to think this could have been spawned by anything. Most likely an argument. Most likely, you know, something where two two people of equal wit were having it out, and then mm-hmm. uh, a man who's much larger and more aggressive can tip the scales just like that, you know? Well, and it's also very rare to hear it. You know, we're hearing it on a 911 call here right, right now. Um, more often than not, they don't have the time to pick up the phone and, and start calling and letting them know their, their plight, letting us know their plight. And uh, it just happens. And then the guy's arrested a couple of days later or that day, and then he's in court crying, and he gets out 
15 years later because uh, he's learned his lesson. Yeah. Also, I think it's a good time to state that although we're talking about large, aggressive men, we here at 1159 Media are equal opportunity. (laughs) And I want to address large, aggressive women too. (laughs) You suck just like large, aggressive men. So I don't want you to feel left out. If you're a large, aggressive woman, you suck just as much. So there you You, go. You bring up a great point, man. And I don't want to go too far off script here, but I mentioned this to you earlier. I was thinking about this today. I would drop my son off at school and I saw a large, aggressive fifth grader with like a, like a younger, like, well, not younger, a smaller girl. Mm -hmm. And I immediately, I was like, oh, that, man, I remember that. There was always like this, this, bitchy big girl who nobody likes. She was like a bully girl. Mm-hmm. And she always had like a smaller friend who was petite and like really subservient to her. And that relationship, I recognize they're away from everybody. They're on the corner of the fence. And if that younger girl, she's usually like prettier or just like easier to get along with, develops a relationship with anybody else, that big bully is going to be really pissed at that younger girl, you know? And I just saw it like very quickly as as we drove past. It. I was like, "Wow, what's that all about?" To my son, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know. They're just always together alone." I'm like, "Yeah, that's an abusive relationship." <laughs> what's interesting <laughs> is there's two dynamics probably going on there. There's the large aggressive girl mm. who's dominating the the younger, more docile one, and the more probably extensive dynamic is the young docile girl comes from a household where there is either one or two large aggressive males yeah. <laughs> and that or female and a male you know, sure. parents mm-hmm. um male male female male whatever big yeah. large aggressive people that suck so yeah. uh yeah that you know call it daddy issues or big giant mama issues or yeah. whatever who knows not to pick on that yeah. that type but i think it's something i'm going to tackle in dark topics going forward <laughs> excuse me <laughs> there's a couple of cases uh, l- with like lesbians, I think like where there's like a big. <laughs> I'm gonna use all kinds. If they're from Lebanon, you call them Lebanese. <laughs> they're Lebanese. The Lebanese people. I was gonna say bull dyke, but no, that... I don't know where that's no, from. Is uh, that, uh, I think that might be part of Norwegia. Okay, is that right? <laughs> right. But then you have like the subservient girl, and it's like a man relationship, relationship, and people mm-hmm. like overlook it because it's two females, right? And you see it a lot, even in friendships. Where it's like, oh, you can't be friends with anybody else. Like, you're my friend. And the girl gets a boyfriend, yeah. and it's like, nah, like, you're, you're, I'm in control of you. And that relationship between like a dominant female and a subservient female in a friendship, not even a sexual relationship, and apologize for the bull dyke statement, but that happens so often. And uh, we overlook it. We we often look like a male-female relationship as like the controlling aspect. And mm-hmm. so often, even in male-male relationships, it happens too. But uh, that girl in the corner by the fence thing that I saw today, I was like, oh, God, that happens so often. Even to my own girl with just like a, like a bullyish friend who is like uh, very selfish and self-serving. And, and if she does anything out of the realm of what she wants her to do, that's a real problem for her. I'm going to tackle that in a future dark topic. I'm sorry to bring it up right now. I think that's an interesting dynamic that you're they're bringing up, though, is it really is irrespective of, it doesn't matter if uh, the, the gender we're talking about that mm-hmm. often 
the dynamic of protector and protected is mm-hmm. is very much alive in relationships and and we seem to conform to the role. We gravitate naturally into those roles. You, you never see two apex predators, two type A individuals, mm. both at the front of the gang. No. That right there just defined that there's going to be two gangs because yes. they both can't be at the front. Um, subservience, you know, that's a little bit different. You know, you can get a whole passel of those behind a really aggressive front man. But, but to your point, yeah, it, it really doesn't matter what what flavor of relationship we're talking about as far as sexual proclivities that that dominant versus uh subservient does seem to play out yes it's fun it's funny though that we don't we don't really analyze because it's not pc we don't analyze lesbian relationships very often and or you can't outwardly just be like oh she's the he you can't say that but but when you look at it it's kind of funny you just did (laughs) well also, you can find it in any Walmart or any mall or any sidewalk. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting how we just as humans, when we define our role as the dominant or the subservient, that our apparel might change or our or the way that we talk or our hairstyles, and and right. I, I that's not just exclusive to a gender or anything. It's like when there are certain looks. That you know, it's almost like picking a lookbook. It's like, okay, if I'm the dominant male in a in a homosexual relationship, what do I look like? <laughs> yes, <laughs> most of the time. I mean, it's not every time, but mm-hmm. but we do. We we follow stereotypes, and and part of that reason is because we are comfortable in stereotypes that fit our bias or our ideology or our belief system, and we're okay yeah. with that. That's why if you go to a, onto an Amish farm. Everybody's got the neck strap beard and and they all wear the same color clothing and because they're comfortable being that because that's their space, you know. Absolutely. I think classic it's kind of fun. With where this call is going, you obviously have somebody who's uh attack it's it sounds like a male attacking a female and assuming all this kind of stuff and now he's gonna possibly take her life. Um what I'm talking about with the dark topic thing, it's not even about like a lesbian relationship or a gay, like a well, a homosexual relationship. It's 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 about just friendships, even. Yeah. Like just sometimes in friendships, you have somebody who's more of a bully, and you have people who are being bullied, and we don't look at that the same way as we do with a male and a female in a relationship as we do with, like, friendships. And that's kind of what I'm looking at when it comes to this uh, dark topic that I'm working yeah. on. Um, and, and it happens all the time. There's there's girls at this flower shop that I go to, and I'll talk to the one girl, and the, and the other girl will try to pipe in, and she'll basically tell her to shut up by putting her hand up. I'm like, whoa, what's that all oh, about? Oh, really? Yeah. Oof, like shushing her. Yeah, and you know behind the scenes when I leave, like they, she's guiding her in her life in like every way. Yeah. And even though her life is probably not entirely figured out. You know the types who will be like, well, this happened to me, so it's going to happen to you. You know, like uh, look out for these things. My life's all screwed up, so yours is going to be too. And they screw their li- the subservient person's life up by filling their head with um, the idea that their life is going to be the same as theirs. But what they're really trying to do is control that person into being theirs because they've been shunned for their personality traits and they yes. need this person to lord over. It's 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 gross. But anyways, what about this girl with a knife to her throat? 
all of that's so textbook. What's funny is we all feel so unique. We all feel like individual snowf- snowflakes, but we really fall into, I mean, very few of us are Elon Musk's or the guy that owns Virgin Galactic. I mean, there's very few of us that are so wacko and so out there that you can't put them in a box. Right. I can tell you this right now. In 1990, you could have gone downtown, my town, and gone to the record store, which mm-hmm. sold CDs and records, and I could tell you there's a guy that's standing out front of there, black dark martins, jeans with a cuff rolled, a white t-shirt, and some kind of pomade in his hair. Yeah. And he felt very much his own self. He felt felt very much independent of any other look. He felt he felt like he owned that. Yep. 2022, you could go down to that same record store. I guarantee you there's another guy yeah. who's standing outside in black Doc Martens, a pair of jeans cuffed in a shirt and some kind of pomade in his hair. And he's taken over yes. for the last guy who was unique in that role. Like It's yeah, so absolutely. funny. It's like we're like little tiny weeble wobble people uh-huh. and we just get slotted into our slots and we're like, okay, now I'm this. And oh, man. Now, oh, it's fun. Y- you know, there's the anti-bullying movement and I've worked in schools and all that kind of stuff and uh, some that I did not get fired from. And <laughs> I would always focus on not the bullied. You know, of course you give them support, but you got to focus on the bully. And I would like, you know, um, build rapport with them and tell them, hey, listen, you might not realize this, but you do have power around the people around you. And make sure that you're wielding that power in a way that's helping them and helping you, not in a way that's only helping you. Uh, and 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 a detriment to them because that's bullying, you know. That it's just natural for some people to have this leadership role. Well, it's based on their size or their attitude. Or size may lead to like a, a formidable attitude as well because of their formidable size. Um, but I would try to focus on adjusting the bully to be more of a leader than a bully. Yeah, I a positive think- leader. Absolutely. And, 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 well, and one more thing on that is that people see bullies as a negative and, like, the bullied as victims. But the reality is, is that the bully is a leader, a misguided leader, and, and the, um, the bullied are weak. And you need to strengthen the, 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 the weak, and you need to adjust the bully to become more of a leader. That's the way that I see it. Yeah. These, are, these are misguided leaders. And... You Their just, character traits are already baked, is what you're saying, yeah. and and we have the the we have the responsibility of aiming those character traits into pr- productive ways. Absolutely, and the bully does not exist without the weak to be bullied on. They're they're almost as culpable as the bully in that dynamic, and you need to talk to all of them, not just the right. bully, and be like, "Hey, stop bullying." Hey, those people are still weak. Like that. Let's talk about like why they're able to be bullied. Also, talk to the bully and adjust them. But let's talk to these kids about why they're so like able to be picked on. If you can talk to the bully's parents or the bullied's parents, and you know, uh, that's the problem. That's the hard part. Is how do you bridge those gaps? There's so many dynamics that you got to deal with at school, and kind of yeah, leave man. them leave them where they lie, unless there's a reason to call it CPS or something. You know, you. It's a whole lot of snowflakes. Well, I'm glad that this evolved to bullies and that we could cover that as opposed to where it started with, I believe what you were talking about was a lesbian fifth grader, I believe is what you, which, which depending on the state, we can actually talk about lesbian fifth graders now. So we're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, it's good to be back. <clears throat> good to be back. Anyway. Okay. Here we go. So we just listened to that call. Basically, violent ex-boyfriend plus 
trespassing and threatening her life with a knife to her throat. On a scale of one to 10, I'm going to say that ranks toward red for sure. Definitely. (laughs) You know, it's up there. So she waits after calling and waits and nobody comes. Now alone and scared and not knowing if the next knock on her door was going to be help or harm, she calls 911 again. You ready for me to hit play on this? Yeah, Yeah, I am. Bucket of syrup? All right. Here we go. You're emotional, you're desperate, you call for help. Then what happened? Nothing. They keep on saying they in route, they in route, but they ain't came. It's been a long time. And he he keeps calling me, threatening me. All right, I'll see where you've called, and I'm going to update him and let him know what all you've told me, okay? Yes, ma'am. Oh, jeez. What? (sighs) What happened there? Who was the dude? Well, that was, like I said, uh, you might hear some peppering in of the News Channel 5 people who broke the story because they interviewed this lady after. You know, so so you might hear them pop in here from time to time. Um, So, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so she calls again. And then she waited and waited and still nobody came. So she calls again, frustrated, completely vulnerable. She wondered if anyone was ever going to come. Mm. Ready for this? Are we going to hear another man's voice? I don't know. All right. I don't know. All I know is to push this button that says <laughs> shock call three. Okay. Do it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Then, almost two and a half hours in, Sheila calls again. This time, she's told there's no one assigned to answer her call. Yes, sir. And I called y'all at 2.24, somebody come out here, please, because he he been calling. Is this Norman Avenue in O-R-M-A-N? Oh, we can we Tennessee. What's the name of the street again, ma'am? Okay. Hold on a second for me. Let me find it, okay? Yes, sir. Okay, is this Sheila Jones? Yes, sir. Well, Miss Jones, we have your call. We haven't dispatched on it yet. Y'all haven't dispatched on it? No, ma'am. What What you mean you haven't dispatched? You're not going to come out? Nobody's coming out here? Yes, ma'am. As soon as the sergeant gets an officer available, he's going to send somebody out there. Shoot. Damn, man. Yeah. 
in tears, and at the end of her rope, she got fed up with 911 and right. called the mayor's office to try and get help. Only then did an officer respond to her house, taking a statement and filing a report, resulting in a restraining order being placed on the former boyfriend. So Sheila had to go to such great lengths to get help in what, by any definition, really seems to be the definition of why we have 911 call services to begin with. But as a result of her struggle, the local news picked up her story and requested the 911 calls that you've heard thus far. But the reporters picked up on something that had seemingly been overlooked in the call. You ready for me to hit play on this? Uh, yeah, just that 911 call operator there. He reminded me of uh, Napoleon Dynamite's brother or whatever, Kip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've dispatched them. Yeah. They should be on their way soon. Oh, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to put you on hold. I've got to go have a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Man, she goes off and she's really like, you know, pushing across her plate there. And he's like, okay, well. All right. We're going to take that under advisement. <laughs> What, 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 what was your address again? <laughs> yeah. We got nobody coming out there right now. <laughs> You're correct. We have nobody. <laughs> well, check this out. This will blow your mind. You ready for this? Yep. All right. Here we go. And Sheila had not heard what we had heard. I don't understand it. What the 911 call taker says after she hangs up. I'm scared to leave out my fucking house. Hey, ma'am. I'll update you as soon as possible. I really just don't give a shit what happens. Yeah. What kind of people they got answering these phones? He actually said that. He actually said that. It's like I'm reliving this stuff. It's really weird. It's, it's not very good to me. It's so ugly. <laughs> Just sitting here and this happened. It feels like it just happened. That's how I feel right now, like it just happened just now. And to know that they put traffic stop over there. You know right now I'm scared as hell. Because if anything happened to me now, I can't even depend on them. Who do I put? Who do I put? What do I do? Wow. Man. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, you can imagine the anger and frustration that you'd be feeling in the moment when nobody keeps showing up. I mean, that's one thing, right? Right. Like, if you put yourself in in her shoes during the three and a half hours that transpired between her first call and her last call, before she calls the mayor... I'd be frustrated if I was calling 911 a a taco truck that was out front of my space that shouldn't be there and I had to call three times. I'd be angry just in that situation. Can you imagine a situation, though, where your life has been threatened in such a way that this is a person that has complete access to your place, that knows where you live, who you are, how to get at you. Like he said, you won't even see it coming. And that this, this goes on for so long. 
Yeah. Man, that's a bad dispatcher right there, though, right? I mean, <sighs> it's not an example of the way that most 911 call dispatchers are. Like, this is an egregious like situation, like uh, of uh, an example of the worst type of 911 call dispatcher. I, I've never heard anything like that. Like, the, the guy knows that he's being recorded, too. I mean, these guys know this. They're well, sitting back in that in that studio, in, in that 911 call dispatch center, looking at each other, being like, eh, here's another domestic dispute where she's got a knife to her. We've throat. heard that, right? I mean, you've heard that from dispatchers that say that it's kind of a tight-knit community. You're, you're back there. You're sort of a family. You're all in the trenches together, you know, and all that's happening. One thing that I think— after listening to so many 911 calls that that I'm sure just comes as part of the, the 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 character of the person you are coming to the call but I think could could be extended into training is that is how calmness as a dispatcher should never be confused with sleepy or apathetic apathetic like, yeah yeah being calm under pressure is a good trait but to be seemingly disinterested is yeah. I think dangerous dispatchers, they should be trained to rely on phrases of comfort, especially when they are aware of delays or other issues with regard to a quick response. Like, like just being able to show compassion and stay calm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a skill that probably needs to be trained. And this call is a case in point of, you can't just be chill. You can't just be chill. Anybody could have done a better job than him. My 10-year-old could have done a better job than that. I agree. Like, he would have done a much better job than that. Well, let me, let me tell you why your 10-year-old might have done a better job, actually. So you're probably wondering what happened to the dispatcher that took the call. Well, unlike the previous caller, which we didn't really get to hear much from the lady that took the, the first, the dispatcher that took the first call from, from her, uh, she actually stayed on the phone with Sheila Jones for almost 15 minutes and even ended up calling her back to check on her when she knew that things with the first responders weren't able to make it right away. But that's not the case with the last caller. The last dispatcher was Frank Roth. I have a lot of labels and words that I'd like to use to describe Frank Roth, but just like on this call, I'm sure they wouldn't phase him. You see, Frank was actually in training to become a dispatcher Whoa. when he took this call. Jeez. Did he know that he was being recorded? I have no idea. Was anyone sitting there with him when he actually took an active 911 call? I, again, have no idea. So the 911 call center's response at first blush seems like a harmless, useless boilerplate response to indicate that they're aware and at least a feigning care of the situation. They responded to the news reports about the call by stating... Certainly, this particular caller didn't receive the service she deserved. This is not indicative of how our employees treat citizens. It's not something that should have been said. It's not what we train our employees to do. Well, I, for one, am personally sure am glad that Na and Nashville, as a 
whole will sleep well tonight knowing that you don't train your staff to literally state on the call that they don't care about the emergency calls that they're handling. I'm sure that could, that should go without saying. It shouldn't even be a question, but... Man, how does how do you even exist as a human being going into the job like that in training and have that level of apathy right off the bat? How do you even get past the screening process? Yeah, right? Well, okay, I think how he got past the screening process was Frank Roth seemed pretty chill. And that seems like a good a good quality to have. And they probably vet that off the front. You know, they're like, is this person, you know, wound really tight? Because that's not going to work. What do you think he brought for lunch that day? You know what I think he brought? I think he brought one banana and it was bruised. <laughs> I think either one, one banana is probably pretty accurate. He just doesn't care enough and knows that he can eat sometimes later. Or he brought a pot brownie. That's the other, <laughs> yeah, what Frank the other. Ride, might have brought. If he did bring a banana, I bet you he didn't even peel it first. He, he just <laughs> eats it. And, and looks you dead in the eyes while he eats it. All of it, including the stem. Yeah. Just down the gullet. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, well, Frank Roth was fired. Oh, good. I sure hope that he was. And thank you for bringing this call to our attention, the operator. You might be saying, well... I appreciate it, and I gladly accept the award, but my hard-hitting journalistic eagle eye and eagle ear isn't done with this one yet. Frank Roth wasn't fired because of this call. Nope. Actually, the call center wasn't even aware that he had ended the call that way until Mm. after the news picked up the story. But don't worry. He'd already been fired at that point. One month into his training, he was fired for failing the test. That's right. Not because he super sucked at being a dispatcher. He failed the test to be a dispatcher. So let's put that into perspective for a second. The guy is somehow in training, not a real dispatcher yet, but somehow he ends up on an active live call with a pretty serious domestic situation fails to do anything about it properly and then what he says at the end of the call while still in training i'm going to go out on a limb here and say that that dispatch center also sucks because if they are just throwing their flunky trainees on actual calls and they obviously aren't being monitored there's no guy sitting there going whoa oh bill oh you can't say that nobody was there because how do you say anything like that and not get instantly fired so they had a trainee taking active calls and not being monitored or reviewed or, or proctored at all it sounds like he probably had taken previous calls too like he's pretty jaded yeah how long had this trainee been taking active calls is what i want to know that's like, nobody asked that question, you know? Like, everything seemed to be buttoned up when the 911 dispatch center put out their statement, but nobody pieced those things together. That This guy flunked the test, and yet he was taking active calls. You know? That doesn't, that doesn't jibe. That, you don't go to a mechanic, and they just have a guy walk in from, you know, hedging the bushes and be like, well, let, me take a, let me take a stab at that, you know? flux capacitor in there. I feel like we need to upgrade this. Where's the welder? You know, it doesn't happen. No. So anyway, okay, so no other punishments or calls to action to improve training or any slaps on the wrist come to the dispatch center after this that I could find it all. Oh, wait, the the police. I almost forgot. Okay. 
Uh, the reason that nobody ever showed up until the mayor got involved was that the police officers who were dispatched to arrive ended up going to help on another call. They went and helped some other cops deal with a traffic stop. Oh, my God. So... Also, what in the world is going... No word on fixing the police department's lack of prioritization for calls either. This is just kind of a double-decker poop and corn sandwich in this case. And Sheila Jones is left holding the colostomy bag. (sighs) Whee! Man. So what happened to Sheila Jones? She died. No, No, she didn't. She's fine, but no thanks to uh, anybody in the... The whole city, she's fine, but mm. Mm. oh my gosh, I'm just stuck on the fact that you have uh, advertising in here. Do you, do you want to do an ad? Oh yeah, where was that? Oh yeah, oh. way back there. Should have yeah. done an ad. I was so fired up, I blasted right past it. Do you know what my middle name is? What? Adam. <laughs> Let's do this thing. Well, there we go. Uh, late in the fourth quarter, they go ahead and pull it off and get an ad through the goal sticks. Touchdown. I was stuck on the ad. I didn't know. I was just like, wow, he's really going off the top of his head there. It sounds a little <laughs> scripted, but I don't see it here. <laughs> You're stuck way back on like page yeah, three. Like I'm just I'm just in this tide pool waiting for the yeah. ad to come up. Yeah, my middle name's Adam. Hold on. I've already jump. finished. <laughs> I finished the episode. Wee. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, Uh, now that you're caught up, how about a happy ending? Sure, yeah. Love it. All right. I don't even know which one this is, but it's bound to be good. So, ready for me to hit play? Sure, yeah. Let's do (laughs) this. Okay. Here we go. Hi. um, I'm at the corner of Pleasant Hill and John Young Parkway. I'm in a Walgreens parking lot, and my car will not start. I'm locked inside my car. I cannot open my car. I can't get the windows down. Nothing electrical works. And it's, it's getting very hot in here, and, I, and I'm, I'm not feeling well. I, I need some help. Are you able to pull the lock up on the door and open the door? You should be able to just pull the lock up even if it's electrical. I've tried. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I got that going. Okay. Are you able to get out of the car now? Yeah, I got the door open. Okay. Wow. Oh, my God. What is happening in the world? I don't know. Should have left her Uh, in there. It reminds me of a joke. Do you want me to tell you a blonde joke? Sure. I'm guessing you're blonde. You don't have any hair, so I'm guessing under (laughs) that beanie would have been, in a past life, just beautiful blonde frock. Just like uh, pubic hair. Uh, texture and gray. Yay. Yeah. Just (laughs) dead gray. Yeah. You should grow it out like me. I've been growing my hair out and I didn't, I had no idea my hair was this curly. I literally look like a Jewish kid waiting for his bar mitzvah. You do. Just, I'm like, what's going on? But it's getting longer now. So I feel a little dignified, but it also looks, you know, like Alec Baldwin, he looks really good all the time until you see a picture of him like in wind. Uh-huh. And then you're like, oh, man, he should do something about that hair. <laughs> right. That's my hair now. It's like it's fine as long as there isn't wind. If there's yeah. wind, my comb-over slash Jewish curly boy hair wig <laughs> is all over the place. I love seeing Alec Baldwin uh, pacing that parking lot 
you know, after he killed the the, the woman by accident or whatever, uh, it, it felt like he was still acting. Like he knew. Like he yeah. knew people were watching him and he was really pouring it. I was like, man, this guy's really good at acting. You know what I'll say is I think he's still acting. <laughs> and technically speaking, he is still acting. Like he still yeah. has a career. So right, 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 right. that's also amazing. Act too. Yeah. It's I guess with- in Go ahead. Like a Hollywood, Hollywood physical assaults and, you know, committing of crimes mm. seems to not get you slapped on the wrist very hard or even put nope. anything on your wrist like handcuffs or, you know, you can keep your wedding band on your finger. <laughs> yes. <laughs> even yes. if it doesn't mean much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I boom. still follow them for my political uh, viewpoints. Oh, Whatever Brad Pitt thinks, that's what I think. Yes. Matt Damon, let me know. Yeah, exactly. Imagine all the people... Mm. Living in the world. Yeah. <sighs> what it's like to be an actor. It's funny how people follow those people. It's like they're actors. They lie yeah. for a living. Exactly. Nobody should take what a character says as truth. Mm-mm. So just in case any of you are wondering what the operator thinks about anything, <laughs> right. maybe don't believe it. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Now I can say whatever I want. <laughs> there you go. You're free. Racist comments ensue. (laughs) Yes, let's talk about it. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Let's talk about your big (laughs) N-word. Just kidding. That was kind of a play on the Pee Wee Herman. Let's talk about your big butt. Oh, okay. Remember that? But you said N-word, yeah. 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 Anyway, it really didn't fly. Fly or die, that's how my jokes go. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) I'm out of jokes and I'm out of script on this one, so... Hugs, everybody. Thank you again for lending us your earballs so we could pour another set of 911 calls and a healthy amount of brotherly batter. Banter, not bad. Oh, my gosh. Avoid brotherly batter at all costs. Oh, this intro's off, too. A great start. Uh, we, we hope you keep coming back. We have some really cool guest hosts on the schedule. Upcoming, we've got addicts. We have drummers. My mom, the mom parader, might be stopping by. We have musicians. Bean Bean and her sister Mona might just be doing an episode. Okay, drummers are musicians. I just realized that, too. So chalk it up to a few genders of musicians are going to be stopping by. Kent will be back. Jack comes around once a month. This is really fun. I, I hope you're enjoying the ride too because i am but the operator you haven't mentioned patreon yet what about that well funny you should ask i actually had somebody email me the other day and say you keep saying patreon but the word is patron and i thought man we're always talking about patreon but many of you might not know what it is so i just want to let you know patreon is a place for all types of creators to share exclusive looks into what they're creating. Think of it like a backstage pass. There are fine artists who people support to watch them paint a whole masterpiece from blank canvas all the way to the final brush stroke. There's photographers who give full tutorials on how they do their photographing. There's a hacker who shows you exactly what to do to perform ethical hacking. You watch every beep and boop he makes in his code. It's crazy. 
there's cooks who cook the stuff that we all get to watch being cooked on TV shows, and he breaks down the whole process. There's a really cool one where a lawyer breaks down the laws behind the news that makes us so happy and so sad every single day. He breaks down every news article that he comes across. From yoga to ukuleles, there are thousands of creators sharing their craft for the world to enjoy. So, if you don't support us, at least check out Patreon. It can literally change your life. And if you want to support us, head over to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash 1159 media and start bringing our massive amount of extra content, uncut shows and exclusive podcasts that we produce for our beloved hug dealers to your earballs. We couldn't do this without you. You literally keep our lights on. So much hugs to you and so much hugs to you. There's an extra one for you to use later. Hugs. Ah, there's a third one. Okay, I'm leaving now. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up. <laughs>